This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Thursday, December the 1st. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. And our top story today is that a man has been found guilty of killing two women, including a mum from Kent who vanished just over a year ago. Alexandra Morgan from Sissinghurst was last seen at a petrol station in Cranbrook in November 2021. The 34-year-old's remains were later found on a building site in Sevenoaks. She'd agreed to meet Mark Brown, who'd hired her services as a sex worker and promised her a six-figure sum for work at a hotel in Brighton. Brown, who's 41 and from St Leonard's-on-Sea, had tried to claim Alexandra had slipped and fallen on a piece of equipment in his workshop before hitting her head. Today, a jury at Hove Crown Court decided he killed her, along with Leah Ware from Hastings, who went missing in May of the same year. Her body has never been found. This is the moment Mark Brown was arrested. Mate, so please. Just go inside for a sec. Is it Mark? Yes. Yeah, yeah. just go in there. Just wait there. Where's Chuck? Yeah. It's a bit busy, isn't he? Yeah. Dog, dog, dog. Just go, go that side for a sec. Yeah. Is there anyone else in the property? Yeah, my missus and my... Yeah. I've got a missus. Just go through. Yeah, where's your wife? Uh, we've obviously got a little whisk, haven't we? Okay, that's... Put that door to... Have you got any lights in there, mate? Yeah, good, yeah. Okay, Sorry, I've got two dogs, they are in cages. Okay, yeah. Just, um, just listen to what this officer's going to say to you, okay? We're from Kent Police, yeah. okay? And just listen to what this officer's going to say to you. Mate, it's 5.35 yeah. I'm arresting you on suspicion of the murder of Alexandra Morgan, okay? We believe that you were the last person that Alexandra Morgan seemed to be alive with. So therefore, you do not have to say anything, but it may harm your defence. You do not mention, when questioned, something which you later rely on. Anything you do say may be given evidence. Okay? Is there anything, um, anything you want to say to us? Not right now. No. Okay, that's fine. We can also hear now from Libby Clark, who's from the Crown Prosecution Service. The decision to charge Mark Brown in relation to the murder of um, Leah Ware um, was based on um, my reading of the evidence submitted to me by the Sussex Police and a series of meetings between myself, DCI Wollstoneholm, and DC Stacey, who was the officer in the case. Um, so before Christmas of 2021, after Mark Brown had been charged with the murder of Alex Morgan, and then latterly in the early part of January of 2021. And I was satisfied by that time, subject to anything that Mark Brown would say in interview, that there was sufficient evidence to charge him with the murder of Leah Ware. I was satisfied on the basis of all the inquiries that the police had conducted, that Leah Ware was dead um, and that Mark Brown was her killer. And I felt that it was very important that once we had interviewed Mark Brown, that we moved very quickly to the charging stage. Um, again, as I said, subject to anything he said, um, things didn't change. 
and so he was charged and um, it was very important that he had that first hearing and joined up with the PCPH for Alex Morgan. I always felt that although there was sufficient evidence in relation to the killing of Leah Ware by Mark Brown, it was infinitely stronger um, when it was linked with another case, so the murder of Alex Morgan. And we couldn't just allow things to drift along. Once we were in that position, then we had to move it and say, yes, we're going to charge um, so that we could join the two cases or seek to join them at the earliest possible opportunity. Our reporter, Sean Delaney, has been at Hove Crown Court today to hear those verdicts come in. Yeah, so there was a tense and nervous atmosphere at Hove Crown Court as the friends and family of Alex Morgan and Leah Ware were crammed into the court to hear the verdicts in the trial of Mark Brown. Jews have been out for over 11 hours deliberating before arriving at a unanimous verdict, guilty on both counts. There were audible sounds in the public gallery as a despondent Brown stood motionless in the dock. During the course of the trial, the court heard that the Labour had admitted to attempting to cover up burning Sissinghurst's mum, Miss Morgan's body, in an oil drum after she had met him at his remote East Sussex farm on Remembrance Day last year. Police say it is the same method he used to dispose of Leah Ware from Hastings just six months prior following a fractitious on-again, off-again relationship. Her body has never been found. Judge Nicholas Hilliard said Brown would be given the opportunity to tell the court what he did with her remains at a sentencing hearing adjourned until January the 13th next year. You can read our full coverage of the case by heading to kentonline.co.uk. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today, and it's emerged a teenager who was found dead in his bedroom in Margate was bullied for being autistic. Stefan Klubenschadl was teased while working as a butcher's assistant and took his own life in March. The 15-year-old's parents have criticised people's ignorance and cruelty. An inquest into his death was due to conclude today. A man's been banned from entering a village near Canterbury after allegedly slapping a girl and kicking a dog. The 35-year-old was arrested in Aylsham on Sunday. Police are continuing to investigate accusations of assault and criminal damage. The Archbishop of Canterbury is visiting Ukraine to show solidarity with church leaders in the run-up to Christmas. Justin Welby has arrived in Kiev and says he's looking at what support can be given as they face a profoundly difficult winter. We're going to move on to some health news now and we're going to start with more strike action that's been announced, this time involving ambulance workers. Thousands are preparing to walk out in the next few weeks. They're joining rail staff, postal employees and nurses who are also taking industrial action. Paramedic Finn Belden works for the South East Coast Ambulance Service, which covers Kent. It's not simply about pay, it's also about the conditions that have been under and it's just everyone's been ground down to the point where this is just sort of the last straw. Um, patients safety across the country is being put, patients being put at risk. We are underfunded um, and being underpaid and we have had enough. Things have gotten a lot worse over the time I've worked. Some days you'll come to shift and you'll be waiting at the hospitals for um, hours on end just to hand your patients over even if the patients are very sick. There's physically nowhere to hand them over to. There's always a massive stack of jobs uh, waiting to go to so you almost never um, before you'd be waiting on standby for a call to come in. Now there's a big stack of jobs being sent to and um, a lot of those patients uh, aren't getting an ambulance in a, in a timely manner and they're suffering for it. The workload has become unmanageable. We can't keep up with the amount of jobs that are outstanding. We can't be hanging around at hospitals while there are people in the community that need our help. And you know, to be having a real-term pay cut over time is insulting. 
patients are not going to be put at risk because of us going on strike. There will still be people on shift, there will still be people on ambulances going out to attend jobs. An ambulance strike doesn't mean that we're all just going to completely down tools and um, not work. It will be a managed strike as opposed to an um, all-out walkout. It's frustrating not being able to provide the care that we want to provide because we don't have the staff and the funding that we need. I wouldn't want to strike if, I, you know, if there was another option, but there, there doesn't seem to be another option. Elsewhere, a Kent Hospital is going to carry out an investigation after mums in labour were unable to access gas and air pain relief. It was because of an issue with ventilation on maternity wards at the William Harvey in Ashford last week. East Kent hospitals insist no women or babies were at risk. And next, you're being urged to make sure your children have had the flu vaccine amid a rise in the number of under fives ending up in hospital. Nationally, more than 200 youngsters were admitted after suffering serious complications linked to the virus in the week to November the 20th. That's 70% up on the previous seven days. Well, I've been speaking to Dr Jack Jacobs, who's a GP at Ham Street Surgery in Ashford. Certainly I haven't seen official statistics, but when I speak to uh, my colleagues working on the children's wards in the local hospital in East Kent, they're certainly full of children with viral illnesses. Some of it's flu. I think some of it is another virus called RSV, um, which I guess, you know, it's that time of year. That's what happens at this time of year. There does seem to be, I guess, more than an average year. And I'm not exactly sure where that is. Maybe it's just because we haven't had a true sort of fluey, virally winter because for the last couple of years we have been locked down or wearing masks more, which is obviously not happening as we've all got back to what is normal life. I was going to say, do you think over the past couple of years with the pandemic, we did get a bit complacent as far as flu was concerned because we had something else to worry about? I guess so. I'm not sure if it's complacent because, you know, we were just preoccupied with COVID. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, everyone has a short memory. You know, uh, it is a a common uh, virus at this time of year. And for most people, flu is a mild illness and you don't really need any specific treatment apart from um, over-the-counter remedies, maybe, and rest. But for some people, for the elderly and the very young, it really can make you very poorly uh, in um, sort of some cases, which is why it's really important that everyone has their flu vaccine um, and there's flu vaccinations available for, for children and for adults now um, uh, in various places. So, yeah, really important that if you are offered and eligible for flu vaccine, you do have it. It's definitely not too late. Yeah, and as you mentioned there, it's available for children. Most of that is done through schools, isn't it? And they have um, a nasal spray, because I'm sure some kids perhaps are a little bit put off by the thought of having an injection. Can you just explain how it works for, for younger people? Yeah, you're right. So for kids at school, uh, the flu vaccination programme is run in schools, um, by a specific service uh, and for most almost all children they'll be offered the nasal spray and that's all it is it's just a squirt up your nose and that provokes an immune reaction in your body uh, and does create immunity and obviously uh, it's it's very we know it's very effective and uh, we know that that it's more acceptable for younger age children so um, yeah that that's definitely something to be recommended and not something to be worried about in some situations GPs will do it for, for the, the preschoolers over two we, we do it a bit in general practice uh, and we and if you miss your school uh, appointment we can do it in general practice but it can be a bit tricky so if it's offered in school that's the place to have it
definitely. The UK Health Protection Agency say there's been an 11% drop in the number of two and three-year-olds having the flu vaccine nasal spray compared to over the past two years. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. The government's apparently considering increasing the amount of time asylum seekers can be held at a controversial processing centre in Kent. The current legal limit for the Manston site is 24 hours, but that could soon go up to four days to help officers deal with any influx of people crossing the channel. The Home Office says capacity is currently acceptable and screenings taking place following an outbreak of diphtheria. A Sheerness mum's reportedly been told she needs to pay £150 to avoid having her baby's pushchair put up for auction. Sammy Jo Kennedy had left the pram in the hallway at the block of flats where she lives and it's been confiscated for safety reasons. Well, Optivo, which manages Cedar House, say they'd put a notice on it more than two weeks ago and insist she can come and pick it up free of charge. A bus station in Maidstone's been left covered in mould just a year after a £1.5 million revamp. Water's leaking down the wall, leaving an ugly mark next to the mall. Wooden panelling has also been damaged. Well, last year's renovation was partly funded by the council, but residents say the money wasn't well spent. Cara's been chatting to regular Enid Mecken from Coxheath. They should have widened it to start off with because it's no wider and the buses still can't get out. Um, They've still got the pigeons up there with all that mess. And I didn't know about the leaks, but obviously it's quite bad here. Like it looks like it's been going on for some night. But that's the main thing, the buses still can't get out. No, if there's two buses, they have to wait to... It still takes 10 minutes to get out this bus station sometimes. So they've sort of just done like a little paint job, do you think, yeah. and not really thought about that's the right. problem? Um, and the length of time it was closed, it, it how was long just was re- it closed. I'm not, I months, was I think. It? I can't really remember how many months oh, there, but best that, part yeah. of the summer, yeah. Terrible. That's obviously not good for people like you and other people that need no. to commute. No, no, it wasn't very good at all. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, what do you think? They need to obviously. What do you think uh, the well, council should do? Well, I mean, do about it shouldn't have been built here in the first place. It should have been built where Sainsbury's is, and we could have had a taxi rank off there and get all this off off King Street and get all the buses up there. I mean, you look at Canterbury, you look at Chatham, amazing bus stations. Bob Merry also uses the site. He's from Bearstead. The decor and everything they've done is is quite good. It's a bit more lighter, but it is the the leaks and that which is disappointing to say the least um, you know spending a lot of money I assume they're going to get the contractors back to rectify it all um, but yeah that's the main reason it's just the it, it spoils what should have been a, a good job yeah. and and obviously you know you're sitting here waiting for a bus uh, you're not expecting to you know have have a beautiful scenic thing in front of you no. but it is quite nice to have <laughs> <laughs> it should be, yeah, it's certainly better. I mean, it's more enclosed, yeah. so we're not getting the weather that used to blow in. But, yeah, it is that... Um, it looks mu- like it's all down yeah, here. Yeah, and the, and the, the cladding, yeah, the timber, 
it's something seriously wrong. The council say they're working with the design team and contractor to fix a minor defect with the ceilings as soon as possible. Plans for a new Aldi store on the Isle of Sheppey are now in doubt. Swale Council's planning officers have recommended it doesn't open one at Neats Court in Queenborough because of the impact it would have on the town centre. The budget supermarkets previously rejected such claims. Its resubmitted application will be reviewed next week. The owners of a Thanet fruit and veg shop have hit out at thieves who keep taking their produce. Jay Prentice on Station Road in Westgate has been targeted three times in the past week. The latest saw a young person wearing a balaclava take items and run off. Owner Nicola Prentice says it's not fair, particularly during the cost of living crisis. We're a small family run business and when we have things stolen it affects us because it's our livelihood and um, things cost us money and we don't really appreciate people just helping themselves. She's now installed CCTV to monitor the stores at the front of the shop. Kent Online reports. Next on the podcast, we've got some education news for you and there are calls for a committee to be set up to scrutinise the services provided to children with special educational needs in Kent. It's after a report by Ofsted that you might remember hearing in the podcast last month said nine key areas of weakness first identified back in 2019 still hadn't been addressed. Well, education bosses at Kent County Council admit it's not where it wanted to be. Councillors will vote today on the rollout of a new transformation programme. Elsewhere, it's feared a decision to remove dedicated police officers from schools in Kent will put young people at a disadvantage. The force is considering standing down 26 roles as part of a major shake-up, which also includes cutting PCSO numbers. Labour councillors say they were an important part of community outreach to tackle things like drugs and antisocial behaviour. And parents are calling for plans for a 5G mast on school land in Westgate to be scrapped until proper research has been done on whether they affect our health. The 20-metre-tall mast could be built on part of the playing field at St Saviour's Primary in Elm Grove. Felicia Foster, Del Bentley and Naomi Roberts are all opposed to the plans. So this is where they're going to site this, this mast in the guise of a cypress tree. And look at all, all this area we've taken off the children, the, the, the school playing field and the cricket field. And I am, I have, I've got grandchildren at this school and I've been against it since May and I can't tell you how I feel, I'm so distressed about it all, for the children, for all the residents that are around, for the people of Westgate, this is not democratic at all. Uh, my concern here, I'm here to support Dell and all the other residents that have shown up today uh, to say, well really I think uh, we should proceed with caution, we don't know the actual health effects of this. It hasn't been looked at even by government. Um, so I'm here to represent the children's health and wellbeing going forward. I mean, if you've got a fear within the community, which we obviously have here, because after speaking to people and doing outreaches and um, speaking to parents of the school, if you've got a fear, then that's going to impact education, that's going to impact children's learning, that's going to impact how many children attend this school in admissions and the whole community don't want this. This is something that the whole community don't want. Absolutely. But, but we're also here for the wider community of Thanet. This isn't just a Nimbus Westgate issue and, and actually it's a national issue as well. And, and if it can happen here, it can happen anywhere. It can happen at a school near you, you know, wherever you live. Mm. So please people, voice your concern about this and object because it's coming to a place near all of us soon. This is 
it's it's serious. A consultation will run until the 30th of this month. Kent Online reports. A fundraising campaign is underway after a Herne Bay boy with Down syndrome had his bike stolen. It had been specially adapted for 11-year-old Zach Harvey so he could get out and about with his family. The Children Today Charitable Trust is hoping to get £1,500 in donations to buy him a new one. Kent's very own Fame School has been rated good after its first ever inspection. Mepper Academy Performing Arts on Earl Street in Maidstone is the only independent secondary of its kind in the county. It opened last September and currently has 19 pupils. The Education Watchdog says they take pride in their work and behaviour is exceptional. Moving to Ashford now and the Kent Online podcast has been told more about a multi-million pound dance studio that's opened on an industrial estate. The Jasmine Vardaman Company have already welcomed their first cohort of dancers before officially opening next week. The facility on the Henwood Industrial Estate has an auditorium, training space, community studio and cafe. Here to tell you a bit more about it is Megan Saunders, who's head of Creative Learning. We've got three purpose-built dance studios, uh, JV1, our production space, JV2, our designated training space, and JV3, our community and classes space. Of course, those are the predominant activities that happen in those spaces, and then there is other things and layers that can go on in those spaces as well. Um, JV1 has um, very high-level technical capacity for sharings, for hires, for people to do their own production weeks, external companies, lighting, projection, sound, broadcast, um, and a seating capacity of 144, um, which enables people to come in and uh, witness for the work to be shared with the public. Um, And then JV2 is a training space, which also has uh, the capacity for lighting and a bit of technical capacity as well. Um, And that's really designated to our training programme and kind of talent development schemes that that we offer. And then JV3 is our community and classes studio. And so the, the, predominantly that would be designated to making sure that uh, local people can engage in physical, creative movement activity. And that can be from a kind of um, kids creative dance class to health and wellbeing, Pilates, um, and offers that for, for local people to come and get involved and get active and get creative themselves. So it's um, a real pleasure to be part of the Creative Enterprise Quarter, uh, to be placed alongside other creative organisations that are operating within and benefiting uh, the people of Ashford and Kent. So to be across the road from Kent Music is a really nice partnership and we'll be offering um, some partnership projects in the new year, again working with young people from local schools so they have the opportunity to collaborate with musicians and dancers working together, which is really important again uh, for the sector that we have, uh, that we're developing skills of collaboration. And so that's something that's really unique and lovely that they're across the road from us. Um, it's brilliant that we've got the cafe that enables us to become a hub for a lot of those different creative organisations and individuals to come together and share ideas and develop projects and things um, in our cafe as a, as a hub. Um, and I also have come to really enjoy the idea of being on an industrial estate as it situates JV Home as place for the creative industries to thrive and flourish and be showcased. Um, 
so it's really lovely to get young people in, especially um, through our associate schools programme. And of course they come and they do workshops and they engage in dance and movement and physical activity, but it also signposts them and raises awareness of other opportunities within the creative industries, whether that be lighting and set design or the um, producing and administration of kind of creative uh, sector opportunities. Uh, so it's really a way of raising kind of aspiration and inspiration as a creative space rather than just as a theatre where they see the polished finished product. The company launched back in 1998 and actually first moved to the Stower Centre in Ashford 10 years ago. Margate's been named as one of the best places to visit in the UK next year. Time Out says the seaside town has earned a respected position in the art world because of the Turner Contemporary and Tracy Emin, who lives there. They've also praised the beach, restaurants and dreamland. And Seven Oaks has been named as the second happiest place to live in the southeast. Right, Move have released their annual survey results based on things like green spaces, local amenities and community spirit. Tunbridge Wells is in 11th. Kent Online Sports. Cricket and huge congratulations to Kent Zach Crawley. He's hit the fastest ever Test Match 100 by an England opener in their first match in Pakistan. The 24-year-old reached his century in just 86 balls. He actually ended on 122 before being bowled out. It's got England's series off to an incredibly strong start. They close the day on 506 for four. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also get an update of the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up to that, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.